Hello and welcome to the special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today we reflect on the 19th letter. If we could name this letter, we might call it Using Love. I don't know about you, I found this letter really enjoyable. I listened to John Cleese's audio on YouTube and found it really helpful. He has some great emotion in the reading. See the link to this YouTube video in the show notes. I think this letter is enjoyable because of how much pain, misery, and frustration that comes out in Screwtape's letter. I don't don't know if that's totally virtuous. Um, It's not that I enjoy that he's in misery, but the way that his pain reveals the glory of God, and and it shows the consequence of rejecting that love. So, yeah, the fact that Screwtape um, tells the story of Satan's own exile and then the experience of his own exasperation and trying to figure out God's true motivation for love and then his own frustration with Wormwood, right, is entertaining too. So, yeah, that's all wrapped up in this letter. Let's let's dive in and highlight a couple things. First, in the opening paragraph, there's a bit of a comedic point of screw tape slipping in the last letter, talking about how God really loves the human, quote, vermin. And he's embarrassed because if the word gets out that screw tape believes in love actually existing, then screw tape is being exposed as being a real phony, or as he admits, an accidental heretic. We might call that a material heretic. Heresy, right, is speaking falsely about who God is or about the faith. Think about this now from this upside-down world that we're in with Screwtape's letters. For demons, heresy isn't speaking something wrong about God. It's speaking something true about who God really is. Did you catch that in our upside-down world? So it's exposed as the unsettling reality that there is a radical difference between the philosophies of God and Satan. We talked about this on the last letter, that it's not just that demons don't want to love or don't know how. According to the way that they view the world, love is an impossibility. For the demons, the view of life is that everything is in competition and they refuse to see anything differently. Maybe a silly analogy, but growing up with siblings, we had a limited amount of toys and how often we would get into fights over some of those toys. My mom tried so hard to get us to share and play together. From my perspective, it seemed like if I couldn't have the toy on my own terms, then I lost it altogether. And I just struggled to have that openness to the idea that if I shared with my little brother, then there was actually more of the toy than what I had on my own. Similarly with love, to see the people in my life not as my opponents, but as cooperators in divine life, right? Now, that's one thing to consider on a purely horizontal plane between humans. But think about it between God and man. That we're not in competition with God or the angels or any other creatures. That there's no lack in God. There is more than enough of his life, of his goodness and love to go around and truly be shared. That's where in the second paragraph, we get the follow-up to his defense for his position. It is impossible for God to really love the humans. 
the emphasis is on the really. For screw tape, it has to be an appearance of love, when in reality it is manipulative, selfish, or otherwise personally motivated. I found this quote helpful. Maybe you did too. Quote, he must have some real motive for creating them and taking so much trouble about them. The reason one comes to talk as if he really had this impossible love is our utter failure to find out that real motive. End quote. Isn't this interesting? I don't know about you, but do you know anybody who has a hard time believing this about God? That he actually loves us? That he doesn't have any ulterior motive? That he isn't out there to control us, torture us, or to be entertained by us? Sometimes I can be entertaining to God, but is that is, is that why he created me? Is that what he's out there? And I guess maybe too, just another question to throw on this. Why do you think it is so hard to believe that God really loves us and doesn't have some other motive? I, it's a real question. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what your experience is. Oftentimes I hear this from people who project their experience of sinful Christians onto God. For example, you know, that because this one Christian that I know is interested in me for personal gains, then that must be what God is like. Always after money or only interested in more followers. As if God is short on money or glory or something like that. But that's their real experience, right? Like they've actually been hurt and manipulated and used by the church or by Christians. And all of a sudden it's like, yep. And it just fits their narrative of, I knew God couldn't actually care about me just for me, but because I didn't have enough to offer or because it was just to fall into this cycle of use, then yep, that's who God is. Other times I think those who experience a real suffering in life can also have this mindset. And it's the problem of pain. If God really is a loving God, then how could he allow this to happen to me or my loved one? That's a really tough question to answer, especially on the spot, right? Where you just know someone is in utter grief. And at those points, it's really not about coming up with an answer. Here's the, here's the ultimate invitation, though. It's to consider the reality of the cross. So that's not just a theological point or a theoretical point, something abstract. That's a real moment of God coming crashing into our world. It changes everything. And talk about a completely selfless response from God. There could be no other personal, self-satisfying motivation in the cross. It is so clearly not about him. He gives his entire life for you and for me. And it's on the cross that he has this ultimate proof that it's not about self-interest. It's disinterested towards you and me. Then we get to screw tape shining some light on Satan's fall from heaven as having everything to do with his quarrel about God's disinterested love towards humanity. He cares enough about us to make us, to create us in his image and likeness. And that means that we, mere creatures, right, would share in his life. In the scope of history, God sees all time as present. To see our fall and his plan for redemption through the cross would have driven Satan horribly mad. Why? Because in Satan's pride, 
there can be no disinterested love, selfless love, or sacrificial love. Pride blinds one to the glory of love overflowing and allowing others to share and participate in it. So notice the devastating effects that it has on one of the most beautiful angels, Lucifer. First, in response to Lucifer saying that he wishes to know the secret of love, God replies, I wish with all my heart that you did. Did you catch that line in, in this um, in this letter from Screwtape? Saying that about his father, Satan. That whenever he said, I wish I knew the secret of love, God actually responded to him, I wish with all my heart that you did. Isn't that heartbreaking? The second is that Lucifer, to become Satan, was so disgusted with this that he fled from heaven. Okay, did he flee or was he thrown out? I think we can say yes to both, but probably with a more of an emphasis on the former, that he did flee. The reality of hell is much less a punishment for the misbehaving and instead is a natural consequence to those who do not want to partake of divine love. I was thinking recently about the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. Recall how the younger son has returned and there's this celebration happening in the house with the slaughter of the fattened calf. But the older brother refuses to enter due to his pride. Has the father kicked him out, forced him to be miserable? No, he's actually chosen that for himself in refusing to accept the merciful love of the father. I think that's helpful in considering what happened to Satan. He wanted nothing to do with He didn't want the celebration. He wanted nothing to do with the father's house. And so he flees and he keeps himself out in all of the misery that ensues. A third devastating effect. Satan is far from God, so far, and yet so heartbreakingly close. Check out this quote. Members of his faction have frequently admitted that if we ever came to understand what he means by love, the war would be over and we would re-enter heaven. This is one of my favorite quotes in the book. Can I read it again? It, well, you don't really have a choice. Um, here's what he, If members of his faction, so God's faction, angels, saints, have frequently admitted that if we ever came to understand what he means by love, the war would be over and we should re-enter heaven. I would sum that quote up like this. If we only knew God's love for us, we would all be saints. <laughs> I actually don't think it would be difficult or hard. I believe it would be effortless, not a ton of work to garner up the motivation to respond to this invitation by God. No, we would know God's infinite love for us and we would be so moved that the only reasonable response would be re to return his total self in love with our own total self in love. Even the greatest of sinners who are farthest from God's love have only to turn back and accept God's love and there is a re-entrance into grace, into heaven. And then the, the fourth um, devastating effect is that instead of accepting or receiving this love of God, Screwtape goes to this hard-hearted cynicism. Quote, and there lies the great task. We know that he cannot really love. Do you hear the cynicism? Nobody can. It doesn't make sense. 
If we could only find out what he is really up to, hypothesis after hypothesis has been tried and still we can't find out. End quote. How dark is this and just desperate that is. And notice there's no peace. There's no satisfaction in that position. It comes from a place of just real misery and the, the hard heartedness of that cynicism that just refuses to be open at all to another perspective or possibility. And these, right, are these devastating effects of hmm, pride. Pride, refusing the possibility of there being a disinterested, selfless, and sacrificial love. Okay, then let's go to paragraph three. These are long paragraphs in this letter. Uh, In paragraph three, we have the conversation about being in love. Ultimately, at the very end, and screw tape will conclude that being in love is purely raw material. Do you understand what that means? Raw material that means um, something purely in potential for something else. Morally neutral, as he'll admit too, that it, it's just the raw material for either coming closer to God or moving further away. And that's why he would love for us humans to discuss whether it's good or bad. If we put it in these morally good or bad categories, we're missing the fact that it is actually what we do with it and not what it is in itself that matters. In the end, the battle is about whether we, in cooperation with God's grace, use something like being in love to move closer to God, or if the evil one can use it to bring us closer to him. And that's where we get the two examples of the extreme responses to love. For one to decide that love is bad, think about that arrogant man who has a contempt for the body. He's too above it or not interested in being weighed down by these trivial matters, these passions and emotions. And so he cynically rejects his sexuality altogether and decides against love. This is a a position of like the purely rational intellectual and trying to to stay in this platonic world as if the body's bad or will just weigh him down from all the possibilities that he could have if he could just be free from all those distractions, right? And so that's seeing love or being in love as being bad, a distraction or something that takes him away from who he really is. This, of course, we can see is sad because in the understanding of who we are as human persons, You cannot separate our mind, our soul, our passions from our bodies, that they are so integrated that to reject being in love is really a rejection of ourselves and our bodies and and who we are. So do you see why Satan, why the evil one would rejoice? Yes, right? Make them think about whether being in love is good or bad. The second possibility is to think about how bad it would be for one to decide that being in love is itself good. This is the man that's described as being emotional and gullible. He accepts this very immature, irresistible love that brings him value just because he has it. It's not about what he does with it. It's just that I'm in love. This is good. This is great. I have status or I have this value, this merit. And this is dangerous, right? This can be dangerous in how love itself, and this is still an immature form of love, mind you, that it can be the driving motivation 
as opposed to the right kind of love being the motivation. This is where Screwtape says that Wormwood's patient could find uh, one of many young women in the neighborhood to fall in love with. And when not used rightly, they can steer him away from God. Good, says Screwtape. So what's our response? To be able to see being in love or just love itself. I think, well, it's a distinction that's, that's worth making. The being in love is this experience, this emotional state of having somebody else come into our life, come into our scene that all of a sudden we're attracted to, we're drawn to, we want to know more about them, we want to spend time with them, and uh, we gain a lot of pleasure thinking about them and talking to others about them, that kind of thing. So that's being in love as, a, as opposed to love itself that is a real choice, a decision, an act of the will for that other person. So maybe something for us is to really accept the being in love as being good. It's a good, it's a, it, whenever it's used rightly, has great potential to be able to bring us closer to God who created us, created our bodies and actually made us in a way that we would be attracted to other people such that, as we heard in our previous letter, um, through God's plan, the attraction, the sexual attraction between men and women can bring together a husband and wife and form a family and actually be an icon of God's love in the world. What else is being in love valuable for? Being in love can actually bring about a greater understanding of who I am, my gifts and talents, my abilities, my value, my worth, what brings me to life, and then also revealing what things drag me down, what things don't bring me fully to life. What is um, What does it mean to really give of myself in a selfless way? That engaging of the being in love is so good for us to actually embrace, even when it's difficult, even if we've already been hurt before and let down, that we wouldn't allow the cynicism that so easily ensues to take hold and to keep us from experiencing truly these invitations to grow closer to God by accepting it and trusting in it. So a great letter, huh? Um, And not just because of the pain that we hear from from the, the evil screw tape, but in the light of God's love is real. His love is powerful and he actually instills within us these natural ways to come to respond to him so that we can come to know him and love him not only now, but forever in heaven. Let's pray for the protection and intercession now of the great Archangel St. Michael, the one who helped drive Satan out of heaven, who was already fleeing so to speak, and yet made it definitive. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Drybones Ministries, 
please visit drybonespgh.org. God bless you. Know my prayers for you. Please keep me in your prayers, and I look forward to seeing you next time.